You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Yes, we want to thank you so much for your generosity. This Christmas, we were able to bless an incredible number of families, and we're already receiving just some amazing testimonies come through from people who were just um, blown away by the love of God this Christmas. Happy Christmas Eve! Yes! Christmas Eve is like exciting but slow, right? Like you kind of, well, slow for kids, fast for parents. It's kind of that weird in between where you're excited but you kind of not sure if you want it to go quickly or slowly. Uh, we love Christmas in our home. It is all underway. Uh, everything is happening and we can't wait to celebrate tomorrow as well. I've got a message for you today that I am calling Why the Star? We're going to look at Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 1. It says this, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the, chief, all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least of all the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go and search carefully for this child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I can go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This story is a very famous story, the very famous narrative of the birth of Jesus, and I'm sure many of you will be super familiar with it, even if you've not really been in church much before, even if you haven't really read the Bible much before. This is something that is quite world famous about the Christmas story and the Christmas season. We have these three uh, magi who are guided by a star to a place called Bethlehem where the star rests over a particular home where Jesus has been born. And on arriving there, they give gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and they worship this Jewish king. Now, there are a few things that I find very interesting about this story that I just want to bring to your attention before we move on. Firstly, this version of the Christmas story is only found in the book of Matthew. In fact, what's interesting about the, re- the, the, the fact that it's only found in the book of Matthew is that Matthew, scholars agree, was written to a Jewish audience. It was written to people who are Jewish, who know Jewish tradition, Jewish law, all of those things. And yet, the Magi this focuses on 
are non-Jewish. They are not Hebrew magi. They are not he- they are not Jewish kings. They are non-Jewish, and yet they are found in the Jewish narrative of this story. What we also find super significant about this story is that this is the supernatural star that's mentioned four times in this narrative is only mentioned here in Matthew. The star is not mentioned in any other place in the New Testament. The other place we find the birth narrative of Christ is in the book of Luke, and the star is not mentioned in that version. And so I want us on Christmas Eve to ask ourselves the question, why the star? Why was it significant? Why did God use a star as part of the birth announcement of his son, Jesus? Was it because of the fanfare and the excitement that it would add? Like, because he could, he was the creator and maker of the universe. Like, not hard for him to throw a cool star in the sky. That's pretty sweet, isn't it? I mean, he could, so he did. Was that why he did it? Or is there something more significant? Is there something far more important that we could perhaps see? Is there something that we today could still be seeing through the star? And so I want to just spend a little bit of time this morning answering that question, why the star? Are you ready? All right, I'm ready. Number one, why the star? Because he said he would. That's it. Because he said he would. The presence of the star in the sky is confirmed a prophetic word that had been given centuries, uh, years and years and years earlier, centuries ago, in Numbers 17, verse 24. We can read it there. It says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. Quite simply put, when we ask the question, why did God put a star in the sky to announce the birth of Jesus? The answer is there was a star because God said there would be a star. That's it. In other words, he did it because he is a God who keeps his word. He said in Numbers that when the Messiah, the King, the Savior they had been waiting for, when he came, there would be a star that would come out of Jacob. That's another name for Israel. And so when Jesus came, when the Savior, the King, the Messiah was born and came, he raised a star out of Israel. He did it because he said he would. And even though centuries had passed between God giving that promise through a prophetic word in number that was, that was uh, talked about, revealed in numbers, and, and the actual moment of Jesus coming as a baby, and yet, even though centuries, years and years came between the promise and the fulfillment, when Jesus came, sure enough, God hung a star in the sky. Why? Because no amount of time elapsed can make God any less faithful, any less good on his word. He did it because he said he would. And some of you need a reminder of the God who keeps his word. For some of you today, time has lapsed between the promise given to you and the fulfillment you seeing it fulfilled. And I want to remind you today, that you serve a God who is good on his 
word. No amount of time elapsed can make God any less good on his word. I need you to know today that our God is a God who is faithful to his promise. He's a God who did what he said he would do. Parents, can you remember the stage that when you had your children and they would ask the question, why? Can you remember that stage that your children went through? But it isn't just why, isn't it? It's why? 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 Why do we have to do that? Why are you doing that? Why are we going there? Why did you put it like that? Why? 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 And we start out real good, don't we? Why, why do I have to eat that? Why, are we, why do I have to go to bed at that time? Why do, why do I have to clean my room? We start out really patient, don't we? We start out by lovingly and full of care and consideration. We diligently come up with wonderful answers to cure their curiosity. We're trying to nurture their thirst for knowledge. And we so patiently offer wonderfully thought out answers. But then... We become a little tired of it, don't we? It gets a little tiring trying to think of answer after answer after answer, and eventually every parent knows that the answer simply turns into, because I said so. <laughs> because I said so. Because I'm a grown-up and I can. Because that's what I decided, and so that is why it happens. You know what I think about our God? I think our God carries the ultimate, I said so. Why the star? Because he said so. And we can trust that God is going to do what he said he would do for absolutely no other reason then he said so. If he said he did, he'll do it, he is faithful to his promise and he is good on his word. And this is the most powerful, but simple. It is simple and yet hugely profound testimonies that a Christian can stand upon. Why will God provide for you? Why? Because he said he would. Why will God be with you? Because he said he would. Why will God deliver you? Because he said he would. Why does he protect me? Because he said he would. Why does he still love me? Because he said he would. And I serve a God who's good on his word. And if you are still waiting for your promise today, can I assure you that you can wait with confidence. Confidence in a God who even, it doesn't matter how much time has lapsed between the promise given and the promise fulfilled. God will do it because he said he would. Why the star? Because he said so. It's as simple as that. The second thing, the second reason why God put a star in the sky, number two, because they needed a guide. They needed a guide. The second reason that the star hung in the sky was to guide these magi toward where he needed them to be, toward Jesus Christ. See, Matthew tells us that the magi came from the east. Magi is a term uh, that is of Persian origin, Persian origin, 
These were a famous and, and uh, very uh, prestigious class of astrologers. Uh, in fact, they were probably used to interpret dreams through looking at the stars. They served the Persian king. Uh, in other words, their entire job, and they spent their life studying and watching the stars. They knew the stars well. They knew the skies well. They knew the movements of the sky. They knew what they were looking for. And at times, their preoccupation with the skies would have turned into a kind of divination and idolatry, which was obviously forbidden for the people of God. And yet, it is incredibly fascinating to me that despite all of that, God used something that these magi knew in order to lead and guide them and draw them to something that they did not know himself. There can be no doubt that this star was supernatural. Like many people use stars as a form of navigation to direct them towards something. We know that often people will use stars in that way, but no star that I am aware of has ever guided somebody to the exact and specific spot in the same way that this star did right over the stable where Jesus is from. This star took them to that specific spot. This star was clearly very different to any other kind of star that has been then or has ever been since. Now, I don't think I would make a very good magi. I'm just not very good with directions. In fact, I have a terrible sense of direction. I think it's genetic, so it isn't my fault. It's passed down from me from generation to generation. But as well as having a terrible sense of direction, I'm also very unobservant. Uh, when we are driving somewhere, I take very little notice of what is going on around me, especially if I'm not the one driving. I try and notice more when I am driving, you'll be pleased to know. But if I'm not driving, I just switch off. I don't really take note of where I am. I don't take note of where we're going. I don't take note of where we have been. I just happily go along with the person who is driving me. Steve would probably say that that makes me a terrible navigator too. I won't put words in your mouth though, darling. Uh, I just thank the Lord every day for Google Maps. Amen, anybody else? Grateful? I can drive somewhere weekly and still need my Google Maps to help me get there. Just a bit of reassurance, a bit of confidence, you know, that I'm going to get where I know I need to be because I don't know about you, but I know in my life I need a guide. I need a guide. And I'm not sure if any of you are the same. You also need a guide. But the thing about a guide is that you don't have to know where you're going but you do need to take notice. You do need to watch the guide. You need to keep your eye on the map. I need to watch what's going on. And just as the Magi needed to watch the star to notice its movements, to notice its leading them to where they needed to be. And friend, God may not be putting a supernatural star in your path, but he is absolutely a God who guides his people to where he needs them to be. And we would probably love it 
if his guiding was as obvious as a bright star in the sky, wouldn't we? And we would probably be so grateful if it was as noticeable as a choir of angels like he sent to the shepherds to guide them. But so often, his, his guiding is different to that, isn't it? So often, it's like, it's subtle. It's like a whisper. It's like a, a sensing, like, a, like, a, like we sense him saying something or uh, it, it, it feels like an inkling or a leading somewhere. Other times, though, the, the, the guiding that we get is more like a, a great big, when are you going to stop ignoring me and start listening kind of shout, kind of leading. You know how it is. Sometimes we're slow learners and we need that kind of message. And sometimes like he did with the Magi, he uses something familiar to us to lead us and guide us toward himself. And I guess my challenge for us this Christmas Eve is not necessarily do you need a guide because many times that's really clear and obvious. But the question I'm asking is, are you noticing his leading? Are you listening to his guiding? When you consider the year that's been, are there some areas that the Lord is speaking to you about? Are there some ways he's leading you or some places he's leading you out of to lead you into something else? Is there some changes that he actually wants to bring to your life? When you look at 2024, only a week away, do you think that there are some ways that the Lord is leading you? Is he, is he guiding you to take a new step? Is he bringing you into a different season? Is he asking you to pick something up? Is he asking you to put something down? Are you listening to his guiding? We all need a guide, but are we aware? Are we noticing? Are we watching as he leads us? Why the star? Because we need a guide. The third and final thing that I noticed about the star, the way that I think we could answer this question is number three, because he was drawing unexpected people from unexpected places. He was drawing unexpected people from unexpected places. I said earlier that the term magi is of Persian origin. The Persians were the empire that came after the Babylonian empire, and this is quite significant to our story. And something that I have learned as I have looked at this particular passage. See, I'll explain to you why it's significant. God had given Israel a very special land to call their own. We're familiar with it as the promised land. It's the land flowing with milk and honey. Do you remember? It's the land of abundance and fruitfulness that God had promised to the Israelites, his people. But you'll read in the Old Testament that after centuries of repeated disobedience, repeated warnings from God, that their disobedience would lead them and result into them losing the land, eventually that happens. And Israel is invaded by Babylon, and many Israelites are taken captive to Babylon. And when Babylon fell years later, they were replaced by the Persian Empire. See, to Israel, the east, where the Magi came from, was home to the Persians, the Babylonians, and we can't forget the Egyptians. All of these nations and people groups 
were known to Israel as their oppressors, their captors. At one point or another, all of these people groups, all of these nations from the east, had held Israel captive. In fact, the only reason the Persian Magi would have known about that prophecy that we read about in Numbers that spoke about the star was because of the Israelites that had been taken captive and made homes among their cities. And here is God, our God, hanging a star in the sky to draw the very people that had held Israel captive to himself. Can we just marvel for a second at the resounding grace of God, of all the people in the world, that God could have sent that star to, that announcement to, of all the people that could have taken this message of the birth of his son, out of all the people he could have called and drawn to himself, he takes the time to even call the former oppressor of Israel out of the east, the idolaters out of the east, the ancient enemy out of the east, who he drew to himself and said, come and worship at my feet. But isn't that just the scandal of grace? Friend, there is nothing you can do that would make you too far gone. There is nothing you could do that would disqualify you from receiving his grace the moment you come and bow at his feet. In the star, God is drawing unexpected people from unexpected places to experience an unexpected encounter of grace. And I wonder how many of you are sitting in church today and you are feeling rather unexpected. You might sit here thinking, oh, I don't belong here. You might sit there in your seat and you might think, oh, I haven't come from the right background. You don't know my past. I am way too far gone. I don't even know God. For some of you, you might even think of yourself as an enemy of God. You know, Steve and I had a friend that we went to high school with and boy, he was trouble. Like, you've all got those people at your, high, at your school. Like, think of the naughtiest kid in your school. This was him. Like, he, would, he was in detention all the time. He was always the one getting told off. He was always the one causing trouble. He was always the one, you know, he was um, suspended multiple times. And finally, he was actually expelled from the school. I mean, he was one of those people, like, if anyone in authority would tell him to go right, he'd go left. If anyone told him to sit down, he'd stand up. Like, he was just one of those kids. He just didn't want to follow any kind of rule or boundary that was put in place. And then we met up with him again 10 years later. 
and you could have knocked me over with a feather. Not only had he had a wild and life-transforming encounter with Jesus Christ, but he had also become a pastor. You know the first thought that came through my head was, of all the people in the world, I never would have imagined you would be in church. I never would have imagined you be here right now. And for some of you, that's your story. That's your story. You are the unexpected that the Lord drew from unexpected places. Maybe if I could sit down and hear from every single one of you, hear your story, your testimony of being drawn to the Lord, you would say, Bex, you wouldn't believe it if I told you. Man, of all the people in the world that would be in church, I would not have been one of them. You would not believe it. But isn't that just the beautiful and wonderful scandal of grace that he calls us all from unexpected places. He calls unexpected people and he covers them with his grace the moment we bow down and we worship him. He calls us from our brokenness calls us from our sin, calls us out of our hopelessness, out of our purposelessness. He calls us out of our disobedience and he calls us into hope and he calls us into purpose and he he calls us into life and light. Where has God called you from today? Maybe he's still calling you. Are you still stuck in your sin? You're still on a journey. Are you yet to find him? And if that's you today, listen, I'm no star, but I've got the light of Jesus in me, and I want to guide you a little bit today. I'm going to ask every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. As I just take a minute right now to guide those who maybe need to be drawn from unexpected places to the King of Kings today. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Centre podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancentre.org.nz.